Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We just, we're just at Amoeba, and uh, we're just walking by the, the videos. And, uh, and I just picked up matinee. Right, I go. Hey, the guy. I'm gonna talk to the guy who directed this. She goes. Her daughter goes. She's 18. She goes. What, what's it about? I go. It's it's kind of about William Castle. And she just eyes lit up. She, she knew goes, who he was. Yeah. She goes. I got oh. it. You go. Well, I ruined ah. her. Yeah, I ruined ah. her. So I go. Yeah, yeah. He knows. He knows all this stuff. He was inspired by a lot of this stuff. And I go. William Castle. She was all stoked. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Did you get it? No, it was, it was one of these weird imports that cost a thousand dollars. Like, how come you can get a nine ninety nine one? There's, and a, there's, a, there's a decent shout factor. There's a shout for, factor, yeah, mm. for not too much. Do money. I need to replace my French one, or is it? Uh... Uh, no, it's no. You don't need to replace it. Okay. Same 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 transfer and no, it's not the same transfer. Better transfer. It's a better transfer, yeah. but it's uh, you know you, you, the French one is fine. Okay. Are there any extras that I can't cover just by asking you questions? There, well, there are extras that aren't on the French one, but oh, yeah. it's you know it's fine. It's it's you know not that much to say about it. Mat- matinee comes up fairly regularly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mant, yeah, there you go. Mant, yes. Um, <clears throat> there's another movie that comes up almost all the time that I'll just we'll, we we really should get a duck. Well, it's <laughs> it's also there's a filmmaker who comes up all the time. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, knowing Gilbert, I suspect it will come up. Uh-oh. I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, well, and there's no penalty. Our yes. first our first show was entirely devoted to Russ Meyer. Oh my goodness, which is quite a way to start. That was yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Miguel Arteta, the mm-hmm. director, came on and talked about his love of Russ Meyer. He's also a big Jerry Lewis fan, so you're getting it. Oh man, yeah, yeah. we're, we're on the right pattern. track. Yeah, 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 yeah. A pattern there. Yeah, <laughs> that kind of accidentally became the. That was the idea. That I was just like, hey, come on and talk. What do you want to talk about? And he goes, Russ Meyer. And I'm like, oh, let's do a show where people talk about. Movies, then. something what, other than what their made own, them. and they won't have to talk about their careers. They won't exactly. have to trot out those old bromides that they've been using on the junkets for years. Correct. Um, um, Gilbert, I just sort of, I, I, we don't do very formal introductions, and okay. I realize you never replied to my email asking you if there's anything I should hype. Oh no, but, I'll but, just blurt out. I'll just... Um, but but tell me where I'm getting it wrong because I'm working completely off of because uh, I am very familiar with your work, which means mm-hmm. I'll I'll get this wrong. Um, if I weren't, I'd have looked you up. Uh, but, um, somewhere in the late forties, uh, you and your brother started a comic book called love and rockets, which was eighties, uh, right? What year? Uh, late forties. Yeah. I'm kidding. It just feels like I know <laughs> it's actually 1937 years before <laughs> Superman. And, <laughs> but, uh, oh, go, no, it was 1982. It was 82. Yeah. We'd done our fanzine in 81. It was oh, just wow. a fanzine, you know, just. Let's, let's make a comic. We got a barn, you know. And and somewhere down the line, I was not um, um, not hip enough to be onto it right from the get go. But I feel like I probably got into it around 1988. Um, That's good enough. Which, for me. which felt felt like a late adapter at the time. Now I feel mm-hmm. like a, oh, yeah. an OG. But uh, Love and Rockets was an amazing independent comic that um, uh, you, you guys just had such fresh voices and and the look. I mean, just everything about it was wonderful and. Um, uh, every 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 issue featured um, stories by uh, Gilbert and his brothers about uh, each of you had sort of different worlds that you were focused on. Um, and Gilbert's 
uh, stories of Palomar were what really finally just knocked me for a loop. I mean, those were completely amazing. I have all the comics are in a garage somewhere mm -hmm. and I have all the hardcover reprints and then I have all the trade paperback reprints and I keep buying the goddamn things, um, and reading them. Mm -hmm. So, um, but Love and Rockets was absolutely, uh, amazing groundbreaking independent comic book in the eighties and, and, uh, you guys are still doing it. Um, stopped and started, correct? Is it? Oh, we never stopped. Uh, we did, we stopped the there was title Love and Rockets. Right. Uh, we kept doing. We we just expanded with new comics of our own. We just didn't have our own comics. It was just a little ego trip, you know. I don't know. Love and Rockets, meh. So let's do uh, you know our own comics. So, you know, my brother went on his, did his, I did mine, and eh, we just learned that nobody gave a shit about Hernandez. They gave a shit about the title That's Love so and Rockets. Hmm. So that made sense to us. It just hit us like a ton. We're like, oh, no kidding. So huh. we went back to Love and Rockets, but we want to change the format. Uh, changing, uh, doing uh, certain formats in, in comics uh, are necessary because people always wonder, why do you keep changing it? We have magazine, comic book, annual book, Notes, yeah. and then back to the magazine. It's because, first of all, we're getting older, and we just have to change with the times. But that's the only way we know how because the material is just the material, and it's just going to be what it's going to be. Uh, so we went to a comic book size simply because a lot of uh, retailers and fans uh, didn't like that it was a magazine because it didn't fit in the comic book boxes. Mm. So we literally went to a comic book that size a pain, yeah. just so they could, oh, well, I'll buy it now and it fits in my comic box. You know, they don't I, read yeah, I have them all bent in comic yeah. boxes. Of, yeah. yeah. And so. then, uh, and then economics later on changed things about, uh, that we were doing better at bookstores, but, uh, it was only the reprint books and we didn't have new material that for the bookstores. So we went to, to do the book. Well, that became so uh, labor intensive over a few years that we just said, screw it. You know, let's just go back to comic book. Like, I don't want to do a comic book. So we just compromised on the magazine. So we're doing the magazine again as the, probably the final version of, of how Lover Rockets is going to run. Oh, don't say that. No, no, I meant final <laughs> meaning the next yeah, like, 70 years. Oh, okay. You know? All right. <laughs> oh, 70 years. I got 20 years left. What are you talking about? Honestly. Ah, 40, 50. Um, but anyway, our, our guest is uh, Gilbert Hernandez, the great comic yeah. book artist and writer. And I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here. I've, uh, I'm happy uh, to be here. I've been, been a fan for many years, as you know. Um, but we've just pretty much done the short version of the usual Gilbert interview. But now we're going to get to <laughs> the movies that made you Gilbert Hernandez. Hi, I'm Josh Olson, and you're listening to The Movies That Made Me, the official podcast of Trailers From Hell. You're a movie guy, by the way. Can I, if I can, I mean, one of the things that I always clicked with, especially with your work, is there was, a, I, I can never quite put my finger on it, but there was, there was definitely a cinematic perspective going on here was somebody who was steeped in movies and and it's easy to say about comic books but yours had a real mm -hmm. um there was definitely a kind of surrealist you know almost bunwellian kind of 50s black and white kind of vibe to some of your stuff like i i, I knew instantly you were a movie mm -hmm. freak oh yeah um you know first movies i remember seeing you know this is i was a wee lad uh was the universal horror movies right and they're all stylized with the uh, the lighting you know, mm -hmm. and that affects you. I mean, he's a little kid. I didn't know what was going on, but I was scared of the wolf man. You know, uh, he's, 
you know, when I went to bed, he's going to, if I put my foot down, you know, he's going to grab it, my ankle, you know, that kind of thing. And now you watch the Wolfman and go, oh, he's just a puppy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but no, he was, you know, Frankenstein, all that stuff, all the universal stuff, because it was on TV all the time. I, you know, I was just fascinated by, you know, monsters, of course. And, but, but it was also the look of the movie. There was a look to it. And then the music, you know, like Igor, uh, Lugosi doing Igor with his weird, you know, uh, clarinet and had that creepy vibe, but I was just drawn to it, you know? And then, so, and, 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 and as, as far as um, getting into more movies, thank you. Um, uh, my mom always had the TV on. She was just a movie freak too. I got it from her. She just loved movies and then the tv was always on with old movies you know stuff i wouldn't watch you know like a ronald coleman movie or something like, right you know, when you're five you know you yeah okay uh, <laughs> but yeah but i'd walk in and there'd be an interesting scene and i always waited like is there gonna be a monster in this <laughs> <laughs> i was waited for like something weird happening you know fine sausage or something or moment or coming she goes no it's just about a man who's sad that he can't remember his wife and this and that and i'm like oh what that's interesting even though I, I wasn't compelled enough to watch it, right. it, it was a good idea. So anyway, uh, and sometimes I would just stumble in the room and she'd be watching some drama or something and or some that just caught my eye and, you know, or just whether the way it looked or whatever. But anyway, um, that stayed with me when I started doing comics because, of course, I was influ heavily influ by, influenced by comics. Sure. And, and rock and roll, too. The same thing was uh, growing up in the 60s. Um, I was, we were hip enough to know that when the Beatles came to America, this is a good thing, you know. Uh, and, and then British Invasion and all that stuff. So we really love music too. So in high school, I kind of outgrew a, a lot. I like comic books a little bit. Not not, a, not entirely, but a little bit. But movies and rock and roll just got more in, into my life, you know, right. as, as a teen. Because they, it was about girls. <laughs> I'm, there it is. You know? Yeah, comics were... Yeah. They, they, they was in there, the good drawings and all that stuff, but, you know, when you saw a really good, uh, you know, uh, movie, that you know, you hire attractive people you know, right. in the films, and that was part of it. These really beautiful, glamorous women in, in, in good movies, you know. Um, so anyway, and that was also... And, and in music, you know, there's always girls around because they're, they're into rock stars and stuff. So uh, that, you know, I just was more into with that, you know, and... and, and and so anyway, so so all, so when it came to have a life, coming came to having a life, you know, when I was in my early twenties, and I was you know was doing comics, I thought, well, I put that into it more than the comics that I I've already because you know I'd, I'd been drawing since I was a kid. So anyway, uh, uh, so it was just you know I put that in and in the cinematic aspect of movies that I appreciated, you know, was the, was in the forefront of yeah. of, of telling a story. Because um, I wasn't very good at, at the time, I wasn't very good at just doing a comic book type story. It had to feel like a movie to me as I was doing it, you know, because that just seemed more natural, the flow of it. Because I'm was i not very good at timing and flow. Oh, that's right. All right. You've done so much stuff. You, you did a couple of those books that were, um, I'm going to screw this up, but that are allegedly movies starring one of the characters from the Palomar series. Uh, yeah. What happened with Palomar, just briefly, Palomar is a small town, and even though it's uh, magic realism and all that stuff, uh, they were living in a small town where they're very naive about the rest of the world. And that started to frustrate me because I couldn't draw other things. Mm -hmm. You know, just like, uh, you're, you know, in your small Latin American town, you know, it's a flying saucer coming to, to this. It just it just threw it off balance, you know. Right. So I had to create an alternate universe with the same vibe, with the same, you know, uh, ideas that I had. So I created an actress that that was in movies so I could, I could get away with doing all the weird stuff. Well, this movie's a science fiction movie. This movie's a, you know, a horror movie or whatever. So anyway, I, I decided 
and 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 at the time I didn't I hadn't gotten to the the graphic novel boom you know because everybody's doing a graphic novel and I wasn't we we're I mean I were just doing the, uh, the serialization and I thought well I got to do graphic novels but I don't have any ideas I go I don't just make crime stories make uh, you know surreal you know and just and just you know uh, self-contained stories but with a you know a noirish bend right bend, bend sorry um, anyway that's that's where that came from it's just just to like shake up things visually and uh, and in uh, and, and this genre sense you know like well because once like like if you're trying to do naturalism and once you enter a gun it's a crime story right you know not anymore the, the life is now guns you know in our everyday life but back then it was still you you know you have a, a drama about people talking and just having normal lives and then you bring in a gun it's then it becomes a crime story so i thought i gotta remove that or at least move it to the side and that's why i started creating those stories well, do you want to um, walk us through? You brought a list of kind of some of the, some a, of the movies that just have, some of the movies that I think uh, your, your listeners probably have heard of these. I'm sure Joe's probably heard of all these. But well, I mean, what's interesting is is sort of getting your perspective on them. And yeah, uh, there's there, there's of course there's a bazillion, and I just pick some that are like head scratchers. You know, some of them. Sure, great. Um, uh, are these things that you saw early? When you um, let me see if uh, a couple of them, like say the time travelers, the time travelers. Preston Foster, Philip Carey, Mary Anders, John Hoyt, and Dennis Patrick take you into a world beyond belief, where a season's growth can be condensed into seconds. Variable light becomes a seductive, melodic symphony. And the Lumacord, the love machine, gives sensuous stimulation that conditions both men and women to a fuller, richer life of love. I saw the Time Travelers as a kid. Now, Time Travelers is basically... Uh, so the low budget uh, movie made in the mid '60s, and you wonder why did this movie come out? There, there's no precedent for it. It's just scientists create a screen, they go into the future, and they're stuck in the future. But but there's mutants, you know, attacking the scientists and the the, the, the people living, uh, you know, underground. But they have these androids that look like humans, but they're really really creepy looking. Their heads come off, and and then there's this big battle. <laughs> their heads scene. come off. Heads well, come there's off. this big battle <laughs> scene, which is really ballsy because they're like, because you can kill androids, you know, technically, you know, sure. it's not yeah. violent, but they go as far as they can with the violence. It's like they'll uh, spear one of the, the the androids, and he's just stuck up against the wall, and the other and the and the mutants are pulling his arm off, pulling his, and his guts out and stuff, and it's like, what? And it looks like the movie was filmed for 3D. That's what the gimmick was, I think. Uh, and it just wasn't released that way. Because because all the... Uh, I, it, I don't think so. I, I, think okay. it, I think it was the, the appeal of that particular picture for the producers was that they had, they had magic tricks in the movie. Oh, there was. Instead of special effects. So there's lots and lots of scenes where mm -hmm. there's autopsies going on and the heads come off and the, and, and the, and the heads are still alive. still alive just they're still, just they're yeah. magic show tricks yeah they're, yeah and then they're, they're they work because you can't see the changes you can't see the camera change you mm. know it's it's weird it's all done in one take yeah so it's, yeah it's, it's, it's pretty clever so it's just i feel like i've seen this as a kid this is the one of the big window or the sort of screen yeah screens screen. they go through yeah yeah yeah, yeah okay. but what's very interesting I, mean, I like the movie just because yeah, i was a kid and it's wacky like what the hell am i watching you know but the ending is really ballsy uh whereas they have to go through the screen again to get away from the because the planet's gonna blow up or some shit like that. And what it is, they don't know what's gonna happen when they mm. go through the screen because they had to recreate the screen in the future to go back. Well, all the characters remaining go through the screen, and then there's like a glitch, I guess, and the screen starts to fuzz out and go like, and so the movie starts over. 
Mm. And basically, you find out that they were they go to see themselves, but frozen in time. You have to be frozen in time in a time travel movie, right? So they go there and they see where they're like, you know, how the movie begins, but they're frozen. And you realize that, oh, that, that they're, re they're repeating the film. And then the movie starts to speed up with the editing. And then it starts over, right? And then you see the whole movie in just a, a couple of minutes. And then you see it again faster. And then you see it faster and faster and faster until just the, the screen just fritzes out and you see the, the universe. It's, it's, a great, it's a great image. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's really that's, They're trapped in an infinite Yeah, and if there's no happy ending. Of suffering no, and misery yeah. and despair. I mean, <laughs> whereas Incredible Shrinking Man, it's like you're either like, oh, isn't that wonderful? Or you're like, holy shit, that poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it's ballsy because it's like if there's no happy ending, it just ends. Like just physically, you're just poof. So that was one as a kid. Um, most of this other one, oh, five million years to Earth. Uh, ah, the old, uh, we never talk about uh, <laughs> Waiter Mask. <laughs> that does come up. Scenes you are about to see are more incredible than anything today's science or fiction ever imagined. Oh, what's interesting is that was it, it's a, it was a movie I saw as a kid, and I was just fascinated. Oh, Martians yeah. are ghosts, and oh my god. And then I, I, I cut wind of the uh, the TV version because it was based on a, a, a TV version from the 50s. But if you watch the TV version, it's really slow. It's really slow. But the, the script's a lot better. Mm -hmm. and there's a lot more going it's on politically. Yeah. yeah, it was a so serial. It takes a lot more time. So it's a lot more time. And the actual construction of the Martians is a lot it's, better it's on the better TV show. better in the, in the TV series. Yeah, and it's yeah. bizarre, you know? So anyway, that was the one I just like. Uh, was fascinated as a kid. It's really good. It's, basically, the premise is is if ghosts are really uh, Martian Martians, you know, yeah. Martians that came down and, and our idea of the devil. Is, yeah, yeah. Is Martians by pointed visions of Martians, mm -hmm. and that we were. And this story always comes up in science fiction that we were we come from mutated apes. You know the yes. Martians. You know DNA. Uh, I keep, we we talked about that a while. I, I guess I knew about the TV series, but it was barely. Aware well, the TV of, like, series was you know it was a British show and it never yeah. was shown here. So yeah. the only thing we got were the movies based on the yeah. on the show. And now you, I somebody, think somebody's the, doing them though, right? I think the original Quatermass um, Two, mm -hmm. it, which is the only one that's uh, that's complete, and I think Quatermass in the Pit is complete. Uh, the first Quatermass I think is missing mm. like most of it, except for a couple of mm. chapters. But the, oh, okay. the BBC managed to find as much as they could, and they're they're very interesting. I I, I kind of prefer the movies, but mm -hmm. um, because that's what I saw you know, right. when I was young. I mean, they're actually officially on DVD or something. They or they've been difficult they've to been. find, but they are now. Yes, yeah. finally on mm -hmm. DVD. Well, this is one that I I, I, just, I stumbled upon recently. It's an old movie, nineteen eighty, and by the famous uh, Polish director. Zalowski, I guess it is. Zalowski. Oh, yeah, I know where you're going. There's a movie called Possession. <laughs> yes. you know, it's, it's a very generic yes. title, but yeah. it's about Sam Neill in one of his early films. The, Isabella and Johnny have a real bad marriage. I'm, I'm going to scoot through this because there's a lot to it, but they have a really bad marriage and it's realistically done and it's just horror. It's like a horror movie of just this bad marriage falling apart. And the wife keeps going more nutty and nutty, but it, we're uh, uh, Sam Neill, we're seeing it from Sam Neill's point of view. So, and he's very paranoid because he's an ex-spy and this and that. So he's very paranoid. So we just see this total paranoid, uh, you know, a destruction of a guy's mind, you know, that his wife's crazy. And she, now it turns out the more he snoops around, she is crazy and she is weird. And there's a three minute scene where she goes totally bonkers uh, in a, a subway, a subway, subway and, but yeah. it's just like, I've, I've never seen this movie, never heard of it. And I go, why don't I know this? Why haven't I seen this on YouTube, this scene or whatever, just pop up, you know? I just thought, this is insane. And then it gets worse. It gets weirder because, you know, the guy, Sam Neill sends detectives to her secret apartment. 
and she's growing a tentacled octopus man to have sex uh -huh. with and it's like what and it's literal it's well, you not kind of like see, a dream. you see that coming i mean it makes perfect you sense do, you do <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was just a horrible divorce movie oh that you know? again it's yeah. polish yeah and, and so i really i really thought it was just going to be a disturbing mental breakdown movie yeah after the the the, the freak out in the, the subway i thought well this is the movie this is just nuts and then it gets nuts but see this is the kind of movie that when you were walking in on your mom, mom watching regular movies and you thought but there should be a monster in this movie. Well, yeah. now there is. Yep. Yeah, and they, I was I was so sorry about that. You know, just that. Well, they made one, and now I'm bummed out. Well, there was yeah, that movie got a real resurgence a few years ago, and then um, oh, did our Cine family did a Zulowski retrospective. Yeah, well, there was a very obscure movie for a while. Yeah, for yeah. a while it was very it was heavily cut. Uh, yeah, it was released in America, mm -hmm. and now they put. I, I had one friend who's not at all a, a movie fanatic to the degree that. Uh, you know, we or our listeners are, but he had he had somehow seen it raw many years ago and was always talking about this film. Um, well, it's pretty hard to forget. It's a yeah, no, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it memorable because you really, I mean, unless you're demented uh, even more than me, you don't see that coming. You don't see the tentacle man. <laughs> no, 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 you, you just like wait, come on, yeah, more, more, more. You know, but uh, I remember they had a whole festival. Did you go to any of those, the Zulowskis? At the I went to I, I went to this one. Um, yeah, I went to a few. I remember some of them were pretty interesting. Nothing, nothing hit me like this did. And I, but I remember seeing uh, on the Silver Globe, which was this two-hour and forty-five-minute thing that he had half finished, I think, and they ended up it's a science fiction film, and they had ended up shooting scenes about him trying to make the film oh, to right. fill out the footage they had. And <laughs> um, I wanted to love it, but I have never been sorrier that i had drunk uh, a thing of uh of uh, red bull before i went in because a friend of mine fell asleep and i was very envious but but yeah possession is unbelievable he did another one after that called uh, i don't know the the polish title but it's uh, uh called the shaman woman i don't know if you've seen that one no you got to see that one because it takes this one further except without a monster uh-huh it's like just another shitty breakup movie and it's like this is this guy's got problems with his divorce man <laughs> but it's it's a fascinating movie because the woman goes so absolutely bonkers and it's just like well it's pretty great you know uh but uh there, there's that um i wanted to mention burn witch burn burn witch burn are there supernatural powers her scientific husband denies exists i want some kind of explanation but is it obvious i'm a witch Another woman's fiendish jealousy possess and injure her? Don't answer it. Hello. Hang up, Norman! Take me in your arms. Oh, Norman. After you've undressed me with your eyes, I hunt. Also noted, known as Knight of the Eagle. Yeah, with um, I, uh, Patrick Weingard. Peter, 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 Peter Weingard, Weingard. Sorry, sorry. Oh God, yeah, we got to talk about him for a minute when you're. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he played the guy in Flash Gordon with the metal mask. Oh, really well, among other weird. things. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> Burn Witch Burn is sort of the companion piece to Curse of the Demon slash Night of the Demon, mm -hmm. which is one of my favorite horror movies. Uh, Curse of the Demon. I'm watching it this weekend. It's it's wonderful. I love that movie. Yeah. And but the, and then I watched Burn Witch Burn because it was. Uh, recommended and i probably like that better uh, just a little bit my daughter liked it better and it's basically a witch movie you know there's a crazy witch lady and causing trouble and there's a giant eagle in it and i can't it's amazing that they managed that but anyway it's, uh, not to spoil any more of it it's just a really good black and white 
uh, witch movie. Uh, it's based on Conjure Wife, uh, mm-hmm. which is it was, actually it's the second version. Second version, the Lon Chaney one, the Lon Chaney one, which is very short and not as good as the. Yeah, uh, it was from an Inner Sanctum series yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one. It, I just that's a highly recommended movie if you like. Yeah, yeah. Old Peter, Black Peter Wingard's fascinating. If you, yeah. I, I sort of stumbled across. Do you know about? Well, I first saw him in The Innocents. Oh yeah, the, 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 he's, he's the, the the apparition. The shot in oh, the okay. window is amazing. Yeah. Oh, he's also the, probably the the sexiest episode of the Avengers. Yes, which one was that? Um, the one with the uh, Hellfire Club, mm-hmm. where Emma Peel gets uh, full in her full leather dom outfit yeah, right. in something like what 1966. Yeah. He's he's mm-hmm. the villain. But I was in uh, New Zealand on a film, and I was sort of locked in a hotel for a couple of weeks, and I got to know the local video store there, and they turned me on to a British spy show called department s <laughs> which was a it was a team of experts who had been brought together to you know battle the commies or what have you and he played a character i'm going to get this wrong named i think jason king and he you google him you see these pictures he had this flagrant hairdo and these incredible sideburns and he wore purple sort of velvet outfits and cravats and walked around with cigarettes and holders going darling and <laughs> And and very tight pants. Very tight pants. <laughs> and he was such a success that they spun off his own series. And I'm watching this whole documentary on one of the DVDs. And I mean, he would fly to different countries and it was like Beatlemania. The girls were all over. He played this kind of yeah. James Bondy character. But um, it's astonishing to watch today because it is, he is so over the top in his gayness. You've never seen, <laughs> so, he made Paul Lind look like Charles Bronson. <laughs> And it's amazing. And his career ended very quickly when he was discovered involved in, in various and sundry activities that oh. were at the time illegal and people were shocked. Well, you watch it now oh, and it's, okay. you know, it's, it's, but he had this brief period of incredible stardom and they gave him a record contract, which they used to do. This is getting days. better and better. Oh no, it gets better and better. And the album is so worth seeking out. You can find it. Uh-huh. Um, Peter Wingard's rec, you know, contractually obliged pop star album. And whereas most of those guys would just do a shitty covers mm-hmm. of, you know, contemporary songs, he did this. I mean, you have to hear it. It's, it's, some of it sounds like it was recorded a week ago. Oh, like wow. it's, it's, you know, electronic dance music kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And then just surreal word poems and every, you know, that's the only kind of poem there is, mm-hmm. but you know, spoken poems. Um, and then occasional songs, there's a really demented song called rape which is just him saying rape, rape, rape over and over and then discussing <laughs> how in different countries the act is performed in this very droll manner. Seems, I know not seems. It's not your hair, your eyes, your lips, your face that gleams. When I tell all those lies, it's then Never, I, I can't describe, you know, the fact that he took the license they gave him mm-hmm. to make this insane record album is pretty incredible. And I thought he was just the weird Darth Vader ripoff in yeah, Flash exactly. Gordon. Which no, he was very famous. I no, no, I was no. my daughter, uh, when we watched Flash Gordon, when she was little, we start, I watched, I tried to show her safe stuff when, and then when he like, he dies and his eyes pop out and melt out of his head, she goes, dad, that freaked me out so bad. <laughs> I go, I forget about that stuff. Yeah, I know. Sorry. And now she watches it and thinks it's great. You know, yes. you know what? That guy, he's the star of this movie and he's the ghost in this movie. And she's like, Wow, and now there's more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, you should more. check out the album. And then um, mm-hmm. 
Uh, yes. Well, go on. I have to bring a mainstream movie out, but <gasps> Top Gun. It's, it's no, but, but it's interesting how at the time when we thought we thought it was just a clunky. Maybe we thought this uh, was just a Hollywood movie. 1975, the crazy year of, of big Hollywood movies. Day, the Day of the Locust. Oh yeah. Now, if you watch it now, it is the most insane, creepy, sleazy. Okay, and like I said uh, to you earlier, any movie with Billy Barty and Jackie Haley, uh, Jackie sure. Earl Haley, sorry, in it, you're you're in good hands. Especially the characters they play, because uh, Jackie Earl Haley plays. Uh, a little boy dressed up as a little girl, a strange little moppet, yeah, uh, to be uh, because you get a job for, in Hollywood in the 1930s, uh, like a Shirley Temple character, and he just plays it up like magnificently. That guy's great, and then Billy Barty, of course, you want to see him in anything, but he's a little, you know, uh, you know, cussing guy wearing a, you know, little mustache, and he's just cursing the whole time. And uh, it's just like this is this. I is think Burgess Meredith is in that. Yeah, yeah. Was it also uh, a pretty broad performance. And yes. then and then it ends up sort of like possession to where it has the most, most ape shit, most yeah. ape shit. Like this is Hollywood Boulevard. This is happening, you know. So I never figured out if that was just a dream or if that really happens. Supposedly in the film, yeah, within the film. Remember the scene where the uh, the set collapses on the soldiers? Oh, yeah. William Castle. William Castle is the, the director. director. That's mm -hmm. right. That's right. So a child, a child being stomped to death. I mean, oh yeah. Uh, so when you think about and it, you wonder why it didn't make any money. Yeah. Yeah. And this came out the year of like you know Jaws, Cuckoo's Nest, yeah. uh, Dog Day Afternoon, all this stuff. But it's never mentioned, you know. Yeah. It's always like, oh yeah, those five were good, but the rest were. And I go, no, 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 no. There's some oh, there's some no, It's because it was such a downer. Yeah. I mean, it you just, know, it was like people even came even out. for the seventies, that movie was yeah. a bummer. Yeah, and and, that's a, that's and it what makes it probably the most uh, the most cre the creepiest is that Karen Black is so miscast in that she's just playing supposed to play somebody we were sexually attracted to and stuff. But she plays her so creepy. I mean, it's just the way they played her, you know. And it's just like, wow, you know. Like, I'm thinking, like, and like, I go, "What'd you think of her?" She goes, "She was just weird." Or we're supposed to like her? Oh, that's your daughter? Yeah, yeah, yeah my yeah. daughter. Because I've I've ruined my daughter with all kinds of movies, and well, and she, now she's an aspiring filmmaker. Is that she, yeah, actually, and she yeah. she called uh, she calls them daddy movies. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, "Are we gonna watch a daddy movie?" Oh, I go, dear. "Well, this one's good because it's got moment and you know whatever." <laughs> Well, so, if I, if I, another tangent, just, I, I think I've mentioned on the show, you know, my, my very first job in show business was uh, uh, essentially carrying Billy Barty up and downstairs. Oh, wow. Um, he was, he played, uh, he played the alien wizard in Masters of the Universe. I was a PA. And oh, well, right, right, right. Whenever he had to get up on the set, which was up a ladder, essentially, I had to, because he couldn't with all of his makeup and stuff. Oh, right, he's wearing all that stuff. I would, I would carry him up and down. In the, uh, in the recent HBO uh, movie about Hervé Villachez. Yes. My Dinner with Hervé. Yeah. Uh, where Peter Dinklage plays and brilliantly, um, oh. even by not looking anything like him, but still. right, sure. Uh, there's a scene apparently that actually happened where uh, B Billy Barty went up to Hervé and said that he was giving little people a bad name. Oh dear! And they got into it. It was like at some event, and they they had a, they had a wrestling match. I mean, they started. Wait, is the scene oh, the wow. fighting He's... and punching? And they, they well, now they've reenacted it in the movie. Mm. Oh, um, it's it's an my wife will it's an love interesting that. movie. Because Billy Barty had trouble with Michael Dunn too. Because Michael Dunn oh, had a really? bad, bad attitude. He didn't like, you know, being small and all that. And, and where Billy just tried to, you know, just roll it, you know. But That's too bad. Because Michael Dunn was a really good actor. He was a really good actor. He's yeah. the only little person who's nominated for an Oscar, you know, so far. No, was no, it was Dinklage. No, I think. Uh, no, no, I don't think. So. But uh, Michael Dunn was for what? Uh, Ship of Fools. I, I think. Oh, yeah, okay. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought Michael Dunn was a terrific actor. Yeah. There's a small TV movie that he did with uh, Richard Boone called. Good night, my love. 
sort of a knockoff of uh, Raymond Chandler type movies. Uh-huh. Small TV movies. Yeah, real small. But, uh, well, <laughs> why are you well? Um, Send your complaints to at Gilbert Hernandez. <laughs> we may end up cutting this because it's, but you yeah, know, there yes. are people. Oh, no, no. I'm going to do bad. I'm just worried about me. The, um, <laughs> no, but I, I heard there were, there are people, there are people complaining that, that, um, uh, they should have found a Latino actor to play Hervé. He's um, French. And what? He was French. He's French. Well, there's, yeah, A, he's French. And, and B, what, I mean, would they be okay if he were, you know. Why didn't they find a tall actor? Uh, yeah. And they could just shrunk him down with very, special effects. You know, I mean. A, I'm usually on the side of those people making those complaints, but at a certain point, it, it you know. Yeah, let the people <laughs> He'd have to be three foot five. And yes, as you say, he's, <laughs> wasn't he French Polynesian or something? Was yeah. that the, but everyone thought he was, I don't know. Not not a particularly pleasant man, apparently. Uh, yeah, well, Susan Terrell was a friend of mine. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. Uh, neither of them are here, but I'll say no more. But yes, you are correct. <laughs> lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I have to, I have to throw in a, a, an actual art film <laughs> to do this. Yes. Los Olvidados by oh, Luis Buñuel. Buñuel. Yeah. It's basically... Uh, I prefer The Young and the Damned. The Young, the young and the Damned. Hey. <laughs> but it, um, basically, it's uh, Buñuel decided to make a dead-end kids movie. Yeah. But... Knowing Boonwell in the times, but you know, it's it's a terrific. I've stole from it countless times. I, that yes, yeah, because yes. it's just about basically the dead end kids in Mexico, and but it, a realistic version, <laughs> and it's just really sad and depressing. My I, my daughter couldn't make it through the first ten minutes. She goes, Oh no, yeah. Can we, do we have to see something so horribly sad? And I go, Well, when you're a little older, maybe. Well, now you can show her Shoeshine and yeah, um, yeah, Umberto D and you know all those well, other you get cheery bi- classics. Yeah, we'll watch Bicycle Thief for the happy ending. How about that? There you, you know? go. But uh, yes, yeah, so anyway, I threw that in because it's such a rich film. It's so yeah. Well, made. that is so up, up, yeah. Of course, yeah, well, some of those kids look just like they just leapt off your page. Yeah, or... and it's just about <laughs> you know, just sadness and this. But it's just engaging, and yeah. because in those days they, they they made these movies still to be entertainment. They wanted to get your because I asked my mom, "Did you ever see that movie?" Because my mom's pretty conservative tastes. You know, she doesn't like weird stuff at all, not at all. I mean, Ronald Coleman movies, but. And I said, did you ever see Los Olvidados? She goes, oh, yeah, we saw that movie. It was, it was it played with, you know, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, you know, where she grew up, you know. And so I mentioned that movie, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Well, true. Yeah. it's the greatest movie ever made, Oh, right? God. Yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. First movie that Elvis ever saw. Really? Really? Because he was so poor in Tupelo when they moved to Memphis, you know, they, they, they were in a city. So it was like they gave him, you know, his quarter and he went to go see a movie and couldn't have seen a better movie. Yeah. I, yeah. That first movie. Is, yeah. It's everything. And uh, it was Jerry Garcia's favorite movie too. It, uh, it all makes sense. It's it's yeah. It, it, I go back to that every few years, and it's just mm-hmm. it's all there. It is. Yeah, it's all there. So what, what was I talking? Uh, I'm going to mention real briefly uh, the Leopard Man because everybody loves uh-huh. uh, Jacques Tourneur's movies, Cat People, and all that stuff. But that one's never mentioned. The Leopard Man, and I really think it's really good. I think it's just a simple movie. As, as there's a leper on the loose leopard on the loose and killing people but they find out it's you know some underhanded scheme and this and that but it's just real good it's not even an hour and a half 
and he no, just, it's fifty nine minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it just has you know the great tracking shots and great lighting and this and that and that and, amazing and lighting just, and yeah. that great that great death scene for the little girl under the bridge. Yeah, and yeah. And, and literally the, which you don't see anything but blood coming out under the door, the, and it's the, so memorable. Yeah, the yeah. woman uh, Eddie Albert's wife uh, Margot is in it. Yeah, yeah and she's. And she's walking through the uh, like uh, the streets with a clacking her clarinet, and this it's just a brilliant movie. It's just and it's made you know with no money, you know, just all lighting and all just you know script and you know, good acting. And anyway, that that's a movie I just think uh, is forgotten because of cat people and uh, yeah, and you know, well, I remember it's got that the one with the clickers too. Yeah, yeah, the, where the, she the, goes the, the castanets, the castanets, yeah. and uh, um, Dennis O'Keefe mispronounces. Every word. He keeps changing her name. He keeps yeah, changing well, I, I, saw, I saw it recently, and I remember it's like he, he yeah, he calls someone Consuela. Yeah. And then there's a line where they try to get him, remember early on, they try to get him to go on a posse with them to catch mm -hmm. the leopard. And and he laughs. He goes, the closest I've ever been to a posse is seeing old Tom Mix movies at the Baiju Theater. <laughs> <laughs> was anybody on the set going, <laughs> Dennis, that's not how you pronounce those words. And I want to mention a, another movie that's a, a pretty much forgotten because you know, can't get it. I don't know what, what, what it's called. The UFO Incident, and it was made in uh, 1976, a year before Star Wars. And it's James Earl Jones and uh, Estelle Parsons. And TV movie. It's a yes, TV, TV, TV movie, movie, but it's 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 an intense look at the supposed true story of abductees. Of Barney and Betty. Barney and Betty Hill, who are abducted, you know, in space, and they were they were famous for it. Uh, Wait, no, Barney, I don't know Barney and Betty. What were they were they in real life? Well, were they like the first? They, they were yeah. um, um, a mixed race couple, which uh -huh. is unusual in itself, uh, and who claimed that they, well, I mean, some people say, well, they just were asleep. They, don't, you know, they, they dreamed the whole thing. Uh, that they were taken aboard a, a blank saucer and, and, and anal probed and yeah, the whole thing. You know, all that kind of stuff. And then a, supposedly like dumped by the side of the road or somewhere. Um, and and it, it took apparently a lot of um, psychiatric work yeah. to get them to remember some of the stuff, and they didn't. And I don't think they even came clean about it until years and years after mm -hmm. it happened. Oh, they had made it up. Uh, but no, they they, they no they came clean they about yeah. telling anybody. Oh, oh. I mean, they just kept it themselves. And to this day, there's a, you know a cottage industry of of trying to figure out whether these people hoaxers or, and and when you see. There's there's footage of them and stuff, and they don't look like hoaxers to me. I mean, they, they they look like they whatever happened to them is something that they believe happened to them, whether it happened or not, is something else. But they were kind of the first. Yeah. Now, kind of the, now the everybody's poster, the been, poster yeah. people yeah. for for yeah. abductees. So what's interesting about the film? It's 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 played out like it's happening to us. Like you know, what are those lights up there in your driving? You know that kind of stuff. And it's obviously like flashlights, you know, in the woods, and that's it. That's all you needed. You know, mm -hmm. you're like, oh shit, shit. But what happens? What's really great about the movie to me. I like everything about it except when uh, James Earl Jones and Estelle Parsons are separately hypnotized. Now, if you know if you know anything about hypnotism, that kind of uh, retro, you know, your past life type thing, right. you, your emotions are those of a six-year-old. See, that's why they cry and get upset when they're under that kind of hypnosis because really? your emotions are trying to protect you because you're. We've got a six-year-old in us trying to protect us from the from the demons and the, the ghosts huh. and witches. So that's why you get so scared in a certain way. So anyway, James Earl Jones is so friggin' intense, freaking out. I've never seen this from a lot of Hollywood actors. That just he's just literally freaking out and crying and wow. screaming. But it's all control, all great acting. 
And then later on, and, and after, you're wiped out after watching that. And then you see Estelle Parsons doing it, who's a terrific actor, and she just does it too. But and my daughter's going, "Why are they screaming and crying?" I go, "Because they're six years old. Even though they're in, they, they have the adult right. mind, their emotions are are six years old. So they just freak out and cry, and it's just amazing. And but the movie's not been available for a long time. You know, it might, might have been a tape, baby." Oh, it's, UFO it's, incident, region free DVD. Yeah. Oh, okay. One, one offer from twenty nine ninety nine on Amazon. Looks, oh, it's French. Oh, okay. La nuit des extraterrestres. Night of the extraterrestrials. Yeah. Night of the extraterrestrials. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's where it began then. Yeah. Whole, yeah. Pretty much yeah. as far as like, and then and then it became the bandwagon jumping. You know. Like, yeah. Sure. I was Whitley Streber and they took Macau. Yeah. Took Macau and you know. Yeah. yeah. What was the great? There was was it Stephen King who wrote some about like the, the ninth Whitley Streber or Streber book where <laughs> he talked about his latest abduction and Stephen King had some line about these aliens who can't resist coming to Earth for some more of that. Sweet Whitley Stryber ass. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a, a what was it, Christopher Walken? Well, Stryber oh, made communion. a lot of money off of communion. That, that was yeah, yeah. But that didn't work. But didn't that all. keep happening to him? Wasn't that the shtick? Yeah, was he it? kept it kept going to his you know old man. Yeah, a lot of they just liked his sweet ass. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now I'm going to start going. Oh, well, I have to mention uh, probably the movie that started it all, even before David Lynch and all that stuff that started it all, was a movie called Dementia. You've oh, seen the, the silent in, film. Yeah, it's only an hour AKA long. AKA Daughter of Horror. Daughter of Horror, yeah. It's basically just an hour of just what? <laughs> you know? And it's, it's, in, it's obviously influenced by Andalusian Dog, you know, yeah. uh, you know, the Bunuel film. And it's obviously, uh, you know, knocked off from that but it's just work you watch it now it's just a nightmare it's just a, it's a dream hour. it's a bad yeah. it's a bad yeah. dream and the and the, the the supposed director john parker never did anything else again yeah. uh but many people have pointed to bruno Visoda, who was one of the actors mm. in the picture yeah. who also was a director That's true. and uh it, it is it is it is scuttlebutted around that bruno actually, actually was responsible for the movie mm -hmm. and then when they couldn't sell it it, it, it i think i did a trailer from hell um commentary on it and there's a bunch of information which i've completely forgotten but you, if you want to know you can go to that um, yeah well it's, it's one didn't there, there's but, but uh, they, i've only ever they seen the it. terrible narrated one then they, then the, they ed mcmahon one? Ed Mc, yeah it's well, ed that's McMahon doing Jack the, narration. Harris, the guy who did the blob yeah. bought the rights oh, yeah because he needed a second feature mm -hmm. and it was obviously too surreal and weird and so they brought in ed mcmahon and he did a narration mm -hmm. but he just tells was, you was, what you're seeing well, exactly <laughs> exactly and then you go to a grave of your father. And then she looks out at the grave and it says father on it. <laughs> I'll tell you, oh, the reason I, 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 you know, I looked for the film for so many years is that I would see the blob as a kid, right? And they'd go to the midnight movie and I go, what the hell movie are they watching? I was better than the blob. I go, this is the greatest movie ever. What is it? What, I never knew what it was until I started, it started popping up in magazines like, oh, well, Daughter of Horror and, and all this stuff. It appeared in the blob and I go, what, what movie is this? What, 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 what? And then I was at Comic-Con one year and Dan Klaus was there, yeah. you know, in the early days when we could just walk around the con and have nothing to do. Uh, he came up with a, uh, it was a, a, when uh, Mike Rainey's Something Weird video, they were just tapes and they just, you know, and he came up and he goes, have you seen this? It's a Daughter of Horror? And I go, no, what is it? Goes, it's this movie, and I was looking at, and I looked at the back cover, and I went, ah, the movie, it's you the movie. know. And then I sort of ran over there and bought a copy, and I saw it, and I was like, oh, "There's a there's a better uh, copy from Kino." Well, yeah, I bought that. That has, that has both um, mm -hmm. oh, the version without both versions yeah. in it. 
We're not joking, by the way. It is it is literally Ed McMahon who's doing yeah, 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 yeah. He doesn't get credit, but it's, he doesn't it's, sound like Ed McMahon. No, he doesn't. He's sound like, talking. Oh, you're he doesn't yeah. sound like the Ed McMahon we all know and love. But uh, um, <laughs> complete aside, I, I, one of my I, years ago, I saw Dan actually when he and Peter Bag were doing uh, what was it, the Hate Ball tour. Oh, right, right. Um, this is inside comic stuff. I apologize. Uh, but but he had just done Dan Klaus with this wonderful comic called Young Dan Pussy about a comic book artist that was pretty savage mm. about the business and fans. And somebody asked him in a Q and A, um, you know, Mr. Klaus, how, how does it feel to um, be making so much money? Uh, you know, making fun of the people who read your comics. <laughs> and Dan smiled and said, more importantly, how does it make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There <laughs> you go. I think I got a couple more left if we still have time. Oh, we have plenty uh, of time. Plenty of time. Yeah. No. I'm going to leave the last one for, okay. Leave the last one, one for last? Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> Blood Freak. Now, we don't need to really. Oh, I know the poster. We don't really need to go into detail about the wonderfulness of this movie. Have you seen Blood Freak? Well, that, not, that's, not in years. If, okay. If not now, when? Are you doing some other podcast? Are you, you, you know what? I take it back. You have to see this movie. You, you have, have to. See, you're okay, but go into detail. And since Pot's Legal, just get blasted and watch this movie. Because it's about a guy who's instantly hooked by, by Pot. You know, he takes the first hit. He's hooked. Oh, man. Oh, it's about not the poster. I thought. It's, it's just about a guy who's, I don't know, he's lost and he ends up on a turkey farm and uh, he takes in a smoke spot and he gets crazy and so they use him as an experiment where he eats a turkey that's been, uh, you know, juiced up with all kinds of chemicals, and he basically turks, turns into a turkey man. He's got a turkey head, and he's walking around, and it's this buff dude uh, named Stephen Hawks, I think it is, and he looks like, and he played Tarzan and, and bootleg Tarzan type features, and he's just a good-looking buff dude, but he's got this turkey head on, and he murders people <laughs> because he needs. Oh, Complete he, with turkey neck. Yeah, for some reason, I don't know why. Oh, oh he he needs the blood of uh, junkies to keep him, you know, going. You know, so he has to kill junkies and drink their blood. But there's actually why a scene, not? There's he actually a virgins. scene when there's he more go, junkies than virgins. He goes up to his girlfriend who sees him like you know she, she goes, oh my god, you've turned into a turkey, and she's like, and he's like, gobble gobble gobble. You hear that? And then she just goes, oh, I can't make love to you anymore. You're just so damn ugly now. <laughs> It's that kind of movie. And you go, this was made. This wow. played in theaters. This is a regional picture, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was Florida or something like that. And, and a friend of mine reminded me that the star, Stephen Hawks, he had a um, an animal sanctuary in Florida. This is like 20 years ago, I guess. Uh, the movie's like from the early uh, 70s. But yeah. it was just it, later on, I remember watching the news, and it was about a guy whose tiger got out. He had an animal sanctuary. And they're talking to him because, oh, and these tigers are, you know, uh, they're fine. They're not going to hurt anybody. Blah, blah, blah. But it was a pretty serious thing. Forgot about it. And then and then I saw Blood Freak, you know, 30 years later. And a guy I was watching with just said, oh, by the way, his tiger got out. And he told me the story. I saw that on the news. Had I known 30 years later, I'd be watching this, this fantastic film. You know, this. Wow. You know, so Skip Gone Have Up you, the Wind. Do you know this film? I saw it a long, long time. Yeah. It's, no, it's really bad. But it's kind of like, huh, what bad? You know, like this This played in drive-ins. It played yeah. on the old bill with the blood waters. I'm, yeah, of somehow I thought it was something else when you said it, but I'm, I'm looking at it. I, I don't know this film, but yeah, the only anti-chemical Christian splatter film I've ever heard of says Shock Express. Yeah. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> with Oh, yeah, look at this turkey head. Wow. Yep. Yeah, you're not kidding. So I'm, it's just that kind of movie. I mean, I know there's a lot of ba worse movies ever made, but they're good, that kind of thing. But this is one where you're like, okay. <laughs> and, and have you shown your daughter? Oh, we haven't seen that yet. She's a little scared. She goes, well, I goes, okay, okay, Thanksgiving. I go, okay, we'll watch it. Because <laughs> oh, we also have Halloween movies. 
Every year we watch Adam Castillo meet Frankenstein. Sure. We watch uh, Mad Monster Party, and uh, what's the other one? Um, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's oh man, the, the the puppeteer. Yeah, the first yeah, Nightmare. That's great. And it's got a cat fight. Okay, that's what's really weird. Is they manage a cat fight in a kid's uh, <laughs> puppet movie, which is really weird, where the, the Phyllis Diller and the starlet uh, in it, who's got humongous breasts, tear their clothes off, and they're in their underwear, and they actually have a cat fight. Mad Monster Party, this is. Yeah, this is yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, Mad Monster Party. It's good for the kids. Yeah. Harvey Kurtzman. Yeah, Harvey Kurtzman. Harvey Kurtzman, yeah. He was a yeah. screenwriter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was the other one? And then we, uh, oh, Ghost of Mr. Chicken. We have to watch that every Halloween. It's just a Sure, I'm sure, sure. Best. So the last movie that I can think of right now, and I think oh, you, wow, you turned me on to this. Uh-oh. Uh, you and Jerry Martinez, you go, have you seen Devil Thumbs a Ride? Mm. And I said, no. And he goes, this You're playing at, when it was showing the uh, the through North films and uh, the Cinematheque. Yeah. You go, check it out. And Caroline, my wife, and I went, and we were like, this is the greatest crime movie I've ever seen. It's pretty swell. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's Lawrence Tierney, and he's basically the funniest, biggest jerk I mean, he's even funnier than Robert De Niro in Raging Bull. I mean, he is just hilarious. He is just, because my daughter is weird, because she'll accept, like, my wife won't accept total jerks in movies. She can't stand Raging Bull. Mm-hmm. He has trouble with good fellas. She can't stand, uh, you know, and I go, I go, but they're funny. She goes, no, they're just such jerks. I can't take it. But she likes Lawrence Tierney and, uh, you know, uh, she knew Lawrence because uh, she worked at Hollywood Book and Poster for 10 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so sure. In the 90s, yeah, all, a lot. The entire yeah. 90s. And he came in uh, all the time because what was great about Hollywood Book and Poster is like these old-timey actors that were forgotten. Yeah. They went into the store. They were stars. Yeah. They would go in there and say, oh, Lawrence Tierney. Oh, he made these movies. So they loved being in there. So we saw a lot of people like that. So he started coming in. And he was still crazy. He was crazy. Oh, oh, no. He was pretty crazy. He was crazy. He, but he, he, he peed off the balcony. Oh, that's on, right. That's uh, when he got on uh, uh, the balcony. Yeah, he was on the balcony. What? In the American cinema. It was in a cup. It wasn't in a cup. I was, yeah, I, he poured it over the balcony. No, oh. he was down in the... He was... Wait, where did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> I heard it from some tech people. They, they. Well, I, my, I. Well, okay. My, my record. May have been. Was, he may have been there twice. You know. Uh, yeah. Well, it's also. Yeah. I was. I was there for. Um. Um. Was it Born to Kill? The Robert Wise. Yeah. Yeah. All oh, right. Wise was there. And he was sitting a few rows behind me, and they brought out Wise to talk. And Robert Tierney just sort of mumbled, uh, you know, abusively under his breath all the time. But, but I remember in in the dark there was a. You know, people piece it together. I guess he, someone had brought him a cup to to pee in during the film because he couldn't get up. But I just I remember hearing the dark. What's the matter, lady? You never seen a cock before? <laughs> 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 so I, I guess yeah, it's possible this is a different evening. Yeah, because I, uh, uh, I remember that was a a furor, but I don't think he got. Yeah, he was kicked out of the cinema. Uh, yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> uh, backstory of Lawrence Tierney. There was Cagney Bogart and. Uh, you know, uh, Edward G. Robinson, and then there was Lawrence Tierney. Yeah, where was, yes. the other guys were just were humans at least. And Lawrence Tierney's characters were just rotten. And yeah. appa- apparently, in in real life, he was just as bad. You know, he's. he's I, I worked with his brother Scott Brady, oh, and yeah. uh, there was oh, right. there was not a lot of uh, <laughs> not a lot of love between the two. Yeah, he had to change his name to Scott yeah. Brady because yeah. it's just so bad. So anyway, so but and uh, so anyway, he developed a crush on my wife. Uh, going oh, to the store dear. all the time because you know, <laughs> I don't know you, you know my wife. She's all very smiley, very it's polite. Lovely you know? going, yes. And she uh, and he just he had a crush on her and stuff. But she hey, actually baby, how about it. Yeah. <laughs> he actually she actually had to put the hands up. Yeah. Slow down. How does Lawrence Tierney court someone? That's yeah. 
Tierney goes a court and missed the pink. Yeah, it's just um, sounds like a Drew Friedman comic. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. So yeah, tore so, weight in car. So basically, Lawrence Tierney, Tierney in this court. film in uh, Devil Thumbs a Ride, he's basically uh, literally uh, this guy's drunk and he's driving across the I don't know he's driving somewhere to get to his girlfriend, but he's drunk and Lawrence Tierney uh, sees this guy as a sap, yeah. and so he uh, uh, you know just gets himself in the car and then they, they have it, they pick up girls and they go to this house and it's just the funniest <laughs> jerk movie ever ever made one of them you know because there's a lot but um anyway it's just a great movie and i have to thank josh for turning me on wow well, thank you. i didn't remember i had done that but it's uh, the best uh, yeah no i think i see yeah, i saw that at the at the cinema tech mm -hmm. um uh, but no, I didn't know that about your wife. That's that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And we, we knew a lot of people. It was great. I like. I would, you know, just it got it got it got tedious to see uh, Russ Meyer and, and you know Dave Friedman in there all the time. You know, you, uh, you took it for granted. Sure, these guys are going to be around forever. Yeah, these guys are going to be. You know, they were nice guys. I, why are the guys that make the creepiest stuff always really nice guys? <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I have. I've. I'm sure I've commented here before, but I think because mm -hmm. somehow, somehow. Um, because I do trailers from hell and because I've worked with Cronenberg and because I've made one tiny horror film no one has ever heard of, I sort of add up enough that I Invested? get- Invested? Yes, thank you, sir. The real thank one. The real right one, after. the real one. It was real one. Um, I get invited to these masters of horror dinners and and all these all these horror directors are there and it's always astonishing how, we've talked about this, you know, if it was, it was a masters of action, if you had all the great action directors, mm -hmm. I guarantee you it would just, well, they'd be drunken fistfights. They'd be drunken fistfights <laughs> and arguments and bloated egos. But the horror, the horror people are all like, they're yeah. super chill. Oh yeah. Cause once they, they beautiful love stories are jerks. You oh yeah. Hear? They treat women bad and stuff. Well, but you get to, it's cause you get to let it all out. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, your, your worst, your just, you know, your id just gets to go amok mm -hmm. and then you can go be a normal person. When I saw Infested, I think I saw it right before I met you. And I noticed a lot of the dialogue, like, this dude's hip. Because you mentioned the Powerpuff Girls before it was cool. Oh, yeah. You mentioned, you say, oh, and she goes, oh, the Powerpuff Girls, they're, they're so bad, they're badass, or whatever. I thought, this is hip. Because they was, cause I had just discovered them before they became the you know iconic cartoon, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my claim to fame is I was into the Powerpuff Girls before they were big. And then the scene where one guy's in the house, and then an infested person is running by yeah. him and he goes, oh, he cow cowers. Uh, I've, I've saw like r total ripoffs of that exact scene in other movies. I mean, more than one. I really? Swear. And I always thought that's from not movies that came out before. No, after. no, no, no. <laughs> they were uh, like these sort of comedy horror movies or whatever. I thought, wait a minute, they're just ripping off that one funny scene. I go, I, I'd, I'd be thrilled to find out they had actually just seen it. That would make my, well, yeah. <laughs> but it was a pretty strong coincidence. If, if yeah. that's what it is. Well, thank you. Good yeah. Lord. Uh, I, uh, Joe, Joe, uh, Joe has endured that film. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it at your house. <laughs> That's right. You did. Yes. And I did, did I leave? Did I leave? Did no, I you did not leave. I did you were not. very, you were very, you said you, kind things. You gave me a copy and I, I, oh, I stole a scene from it too, by the way. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah. Cause I love where the guy, he can't get a signal on his phone and he keeps getting on the roof and yeah. stuff like that. I totally swiped swipe that for a story. From the roof. Uh, it was more like they were out in the mountains sort of thing and I had did the same thing. Well, that's every movie ever made. Yeah, but your years was funny. Well, and after, just, after a certain day. <laughs> that yeah. was the thing where it just got so, I remember what was the, um, oh God, what's, what's the, the, the Zemeckis sort of horror film with Harrison Ford? Oh, What Lies Beneath? What Lies Beneath. Not, mm. not his greatest work. There's, there's a scene, it just, it's everything that's wrong with technology. There's a scene where early on they're driving, don't they have to drive across a bridge to get to the mainland or something? And it's it's looped dialogue. You see the car going and go, 
God damn it, my cell phone signal always goes out at this same spot on this same bridge. <laughs> You're sitting there going, huh, I wonder if that's going to come in handy later on in the <laughs> Well, film. that's why it's so difficult to remake old movies, because you know yeah. the, the, the mere existence phone. of the cell phone has, has ruined most plots. Well, you have to address it. It's yeah. so goddamn annoying. That's why I noticed a lot of movies are retro. Like, I noticed uh, Moon, you know, uh -huh. they had to do it retro because of technology. Because sure. he could have got saved, you know, a half hour ago. Right. You know, uh, and same with the recent movie Hereditary. I go, oh, it's a period piece, so they can't oh, have cell even, phones and stuff. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. it's a. Man, it, are, but a friend. lot of the stuff is it happens because they they can't call people you know, yeah. on the spot, you know. So I was like, oh, okay. Like I said, I've, I've got a script that's a couple years old that, that um, we're starting to do again with a producer who pointed out that uh, it actually made it better. He goes, well, mm -hmm. we're going to have to set this in the past. I go, why? He goes, well. A, no one has a cell phone, and B, um, that's just because I hate writing those scenes unless they're necessary. Mm. And he goes, and B, there's a murder in it. He goes, that they would solve with yeah, yeah. forensics in a heartbeat. So we bumped it to 1966 LA, and it's 100 times better. So. Mm -hmm. More but, expensive to make, unfortunately. Well, yeah, that's the thing, yeah. <laughs> um, by but, the way, speaking of, of yeah. period pieces that are expensive, but that you should, if you don't know, I kept thinking of this way you were talking. Mm -hmm. um, Joe has recently turned me into a film. Just talk about you would love it just visually the use of of long shadows if nothing else yeah. incredibly cheap film you know where i'm going yeah the black book the black, black book, book. Do you know black aka book? the reign of terror okay um it's uh the 1949 uh, oh. eagle lion picture which was a company that was striving to be better but didn't have any money uh and it's um written directed by uh, anthony mann shot by john alton who is one of the great dps of all time and, and produced by William Cameron Menzies, who's one of the great um, set designers. Vader's from Mars. I love that movie. Uh, and it's the French Revolution done with as few people as you possibly can do. About a buck fifty. And it's and it's the the, the the brilliance of it is there are so many rear projected scenes uh, where Robespierre is talking to everybody, and there's this big crowd, but the big crowd was obviously shot somewhere else with yeah. other people, and there's really only a couple of people on the set. Um, and it's it's a it, obviously Rose Pierre wants the book that uh, you know it's got all the names in it of, of uh, all the people who are going to um, be executed, uh, and it's got a, it's it's just it's a it's a comic book movie in the classics illustrated style, mm. uh, but it's so entertaining and so well plotted. Well, what's so amazing many great too, scenes in it. it's so clearly you know you've seen a hundred movies that were done for th this kind of non-existent budget where they're trying to get around things by doing it all in close-up and sure, oh yeah. shadows but it's done so well it doesn't occur to you that it's i mean there's there's one shot of of yeah robespierre who's um richard basehart richard basehart and he's talking and it's literally just his head it's looking up at his head mm -hmm. and there's just i think a pair of cr crisscross shadows behind him mm -hmm. you realize he could be stark naked doing this scene but it's so beautifully shot. Well, Menzies loved doing big. It looks intentional. It looks like they in, intentionally in Vader's shot Mars, this way instead of big, yeah. huge, super close-ups of people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently, one of his uh, DPs said, "Should we pull back for a long shot and show the chin and hair?" <laughs> <laughs> interesting. I think I know the film you're talking about. I haven't seen it yet, though. But it's Richard Basehart. Richard Basehart's interesting because. When he began up to Voyage with Bottom Sea, he was like in crazy stuff. Yeah. And he did crazy stuff. And then Voyage with Bottom Sea, I go, who's this sourpuss drunken well, old he, guy? Yeah, he's happy. got that kind of Lloyd Bridges vibe. He, I, yeah. think he, I think he did the pilot and he thought, well, this will never sell. Yeah, yeah, I guess And then so. it sold. And it was like everybody knew him as Admiral Nelson now. Sure. Right. You know? now and he had he'd been that. doing a, a lot of this classy stuff for John, yeah. John Houston and, you know, all that yeah. kind of stuff. And, and he was considered a, you know, a, a top tier actor. Sure. And the brothers Karamazov and... Uh, and then all of a sudden, he's now the guy from the Sea View. Yeah, and right. I think 
there's there's compensations, obviously, because you got you know you can pay for your nice house and you can pay your alimony and you can do all that. But then there's a, a thing about I'm going to work every day on this phony submarine for Irwin Allen. Stiff. <laughs> for Irwin Allen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, the, the, the most depressing one ever. Every other weekend, he turned into a werewolf. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, the, which, um, which he ended up doing in the uh, Island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. The, the most depressing one I remember, um, uh, it was in the 80s, apparently, the, the great, good God, Peter Cook. I mean, imagine imagine comedy, especially British comedy, without Peter Cook. Mm-hmm. And I guess he was over here on a vacation, and there was a chance to pick up a few bucks just shooting a pilot. 99 out of 100 of them don't go, and he plays uh, i can't what he played somebody's butler you know the butler to some wacky la career woman and and the pilot got picked up and he got stuck over here for years mm. this this comic genius playing yeah. you know just this dipshit doing you know lines on a sitcom and just hey wait this is the guy from supergirl right peter is he in supergirl yeah, in, peter the, the movie, in supergirl the movie yeah uh, i've actually never seen supergirl it's cute She's cute. No, no, she's, she's fine. She's yeah. perfectly cast. You go, oh, this should be good. She's good. And the movies, I was like, huh, what? You know, yeah. This one, yeah. Uh, it always comes back to superhero movies. And we did not we did not eat the duck this week because Ed Wood was not mentioned. I'm, I'm astonished, I would think. I will have to mention a, a one that's obvious everybody's heard of to death is uh, The Brain That Wouldn't Die. Now, the reason I want to bring this one up, because everybody goes, oh, yeah, ho, 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 the brain that wouldn't die. It That movie... When I first saw it on TV, and, I, and it was uncut, it had the arm against the wall, you know, smearing blood, mm. and had the whole bit, you know, tearing the neck open. It just, it was at a period of my life where I, it was a transition, like rock was starting to move toward underground. So if you wanted to hear the better music, it was underground, but we didn't really listen to it. it uh, pop, pop just got pappier, you know, and it, it, it just was, things were just weren't clicking for me. It was, I was in probably fifth, sixth grade, maybe seventh. And I saw Brain That Wouldn't Die. And I go, oh, this is one of those creepy, dark movies. You know, it's that creepy movie. And I saw it halfway through. And, I, you know, I thought, this some, this is a shitty, you know. And then when it was on again, I watched it. And then I kept watching it over and over and over. And I realized that's the first movie that I watched. Like, something's wrong. You know. You mean with add, you? you? Just add <laughs> what you want after that. <laughs> add, just add what, something is wrong because I keep going back to it. And I started becoming attracted to the head on the table. Because oh. a very pretty actress who was a model. Yeah, sure. And she was uh, in uh, Kubrick's first picture. Yeah, and she'd been, she was in the William Holden movie. She's been, she was in uh, Kiss Before Dying. Oh, you she mean yeah. like Love Virginia Lee. or whatever? Yeah. 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 So she just, uh, you know, did a few things and, you know, she did this movie, you know, and, uh, and I just became more attracted. And then pretty soon, you know, when you're a fan, your just head starts to get weird because <laughs> you start to go like, wait a minute. Because now I've seen the whole movie. Her head get, gets cut off. The husband grabs it puts it on a plate you know and i go wait a minute they had to put makeup on her the this mad scientist had to give her eyeliner because she has this all this great glamour makeup on i go wait a minute that wasn't probably when her head was severed you know yeah smeared so i'm thinking like these guys so i went into all this detail i started projecting all this (laughs) stuff and then the whole story is about you know it's a 12 year old boy's dream it's like he's looking for the hottest body he can to attach his sure yeah and it you know but at the time i didn't think of it that way i just thought of like Something is wrong, <laughs> and he happens to have a monster in the closet. Yeah, and then he, yeah, you don't see. Yeah, yeah, and then and then I was so not disappointed 
when the monster came out. Because usually you see like, oh, he's got a little, like maybe a little glue scar here uh-huh. and maybe buck teeth or whatever. No, he was a monster. A monster. How, how could you go wrong? Could you go to make that point? So that pointy headed, an eyeball way up in the, you know, okay. But anyway, like I said, that was the first, that's when I started liking wrong movies. Like uh-huh. the ones I met. And yeah. look where it's got you. Yeah, it goes. I never thought about the makeup before. That's... Yeah, that the, they had to put makeup on her, and, yeah. you know, and all that stuff. And, and she's glammed up. I mean, yeah, she's, she's way you know glammed up. And I'm like, wait a minute. It's... Well, I remember years ago. Speaking of things, I've been hip to before they they mm-hmm. got big. I was I was super hip to Jim and Tammy Faye long before oh, before the they were they were in vogue. And mm-hmm. um and I and I think the moment I fell in love with Tammy Faye was um she was interviewing. There's a woman who um, was a painter um, who had you know, of course, discovered Christ and that had, but she had lost her arms oh. and she painted with a paintbrush in her teeth. And it was pretty fascinating to watch her do that. And Jim's talking to her about God and Jesus and the usual questions. And Tammy Faye's just sitting there. And finally, the one question Tammy Faye asks her is, how do you do your makeup? <laughs> <laughs> My thumb is so high up right now. <laughs> that, that is, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Fan for awesome. life. <laughs> they could do no wrong. Um, <laughs> I'll just throw in my favorite Hour Limits episode. Because sure. I'd watched it forever. <laughs> I've watched this episode forever and ever, ever. And I just watched it the other day with my daughter and we just realized what it was about. And then I went and, and went to the, the book of the Outer Limits. I can't remember the name of the, you guys probably know the author. The Outer Limits Companion. Companion, yeah. Yes. That. And, and then I went to read it and I go, oh, it's all here. But I never read it. I just watched it. It's the Architects of Fear. And it's the one where Robert Culp is transformed to alien, to right. which Alan Moore admitted to swiping for Watchmen. He admitted that. And mm-hmm. That's why they're watching The Outer Limits at the end of the Watchmen movie. And isn't that? So basically they create an alien to uh, you know, scare humans into, into peace. So they'll battle this, this fake alien that's coming. Uh, but I watched it and it was all about science and all this stuff. And I, I always loved it. I loved the love story. And, I did, and then I realized this is, this is about superstition because they're scaring humans into, you know, doing. So the whole thing's about witchcraft and superstition. Right. And it's really weird when you watch it that way. The science is gone now, you know, for me. You know, I'm watching it. Because at the beginning, they have to draw lots who's going to be the alien, you know. And basically, it's a little witch's cauldron that they put the names in. And I'm like, this is a coven. And, you know, I start to get it, you know. And I realize, oh, this is witchcraft. This isn't science. This is witchcraft that they're going to create a spook to, you know. Mm. And even the wife, like Robert Culp's hinting because he knows what's going to happen to himself. But he doesn't, he has to tell his wife, you know. I'm leaving, you know, you don't know. And he goes, I'm, you know, what if the, we, we created something that's united the world, blah, blah, blah. She goes, a scarecrow? You know, a scarecrow is going to work? He goes, that is yeah. the dumbest thing I've ever heard, heard <laughs> and this and that. But they, they, you know, they continue with it. And uh, and there's a part in it when they mention what the alien, where the planet the alien's from, the scientists. And they go, from the, the planet Theta, he's the Thetan. And that's the alien from Scientology. From Scientology, yeah. yes. And yes. we, me and our daughter, start getting really spooked. <laughs> We're like, "Oh boy!" <laughs> Wait, does that predate Hubbard's thing? No, when, it, when are they were? No, Hubbard was late fifties. That was, was yeah. 50s. Was he? He gotten that far in that book? Yeah, yeah, and then they just they just throw that in, and I go, "This is about Scientology, yeah. hoodoo, you know, and yeah. all this stuff." And I just watched it in fascination, seeing it uh, a, a different. Well, uh, version. often there's more there than meets yeah. the eye. Yeah, and even though I've always loved it just as a flat-out science fiction story, you know? Yeah. So, I love I mean, you think about how many in-jokes you must have thrown into your work over the years. <laughs> yeah, I've just, I've just always... The, the, I, and of course, I love The Twilight Zone and, and, and yeah. One Step Beyond, all those, but uh, Outer Limits was... Okay, it's like the beginning of The Twilight Zone is Rod Serling saying, I'm going to take you by the hand and show you something cool. Yeah. The Outer Limits sings, for the next hour, you're fucked. 
Yeah, exactly. No, I'm with you. It's scarier. It was so scary. <laughs> it is more frightening. Yeah, because it's this cold world of guys in suits and ladies yeah. with pearls and cigarettes yeah. up, and but it's a weird science fiction. Well, Ron, world. The, the voice of reason on the Twilight the voice, Zone. The voice, the voice, the control voice. You're going to be okay amazing. with Twilight yeah. Zone, but yeah, no, yeah. you're right. You'll be voice. fine with Twilight Zone. You get through this, and then he fucks with your TV. Yeah, and then this guy's saying, "Shit, no, no, you're fucked." Yeah. And then and then the narration when the story begins because the music is really beautiful in the, in yeah. the outer limits you know and it'll have this beautiful music and he goes you know this is the end of mankind and I'll, <laughs> but I loved it I loved it so yeah. since then it, it just has a tone if if it's not always successful each episode it has that tone it's just yeah. that that tone like you're fucked for an hour and yeah it's great and just that high pitched yeah and it's so funny that you know all the attempts to remake it are just never as good yeah yeah more money more special effects more sophistication. But not as good as the original. Well, yeah, it's 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 about uh, the scripts. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. Um, Star Trek is still on the air because it's well written. Yeah. I swear to God, I watch it and I go, you know, I never even noticed what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> as a kid, now I'm going, this is good. This yep. is good. Yeah. You know? I'm actually. Have you seen the uh, the new um, the fixed episodes, the enhanced episodes they've done of the the first series? Where they change you the mean, special they just, effects? They, they change just, the effects. They, that's what they're showing on TV now. So oh, are they? Okay. Yeah, they just show like the, it's a better Enterprise, and you know. Yeah, supposedly. I mean, they seem to keep the spirit of it. I'm all for it. I, yeah, I, they didn't really ruin it. It's just a slightly done by people effects. who clearly love the show. Yeah, yeah. And simple things like the fact that the Gorn blinks every now and then is kind oh, of is my kind daughter of nice. hates it. She likes the old stiff. Too, oh really? Too oh, okay. One. She's hardcore. She's uh, just yeah, like, no, no, I want the original. Get, get this shit. Well, if you're a 50 year old guy, I I'd have a problem with that, but I yes. absolutely respect that. In a, yeah, I uh, think it's fine. It doesn't bother me. It's because the show is still the show. You know. Yeah. It's just, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Gilbert, thank you so much, man, for yeah, coming well, out and doing thanks this. Thanks a lot. It's, I uh, hope us one person watches one of those movies and yes, and says something is wrong. Something's wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to add to the after that, but no, I think that's where it I think that's great. Yeah. Something wrong. wrong. <laughs> Our show was recorded in Hollywood, California, at Crossroads of the World. For the official podcast of trailersfromhell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made Me. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.